0: Welcome to another episode of It's Just Pennies. This is the Stock Whisperer. Before you enjoy today's episode, let me just state this. I am not a financial advisor, so if you're looking for financial advice, please seek an investment professional. The episode that you're about to hear is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Hello, OTCers. Today's episode is brought to you by PSG Good Works. On August 21st from 9 a.m. to noon, Penny Stock Gurus and its friends are doing a back-to-school giveaway. They will be giving out a minimum of a 1,000 bags with school supplies, maybe even more at at the Our Lady of the Lake University in San Antonio, Texas. Now, if you can't be there but would like to be a part of the giveaway, feel free to send a cash app to... Penny Stock Gurus. Again, that's Penny Stock Gurus. I'm going to spell it for you. It's the dollar sign P-E-N-N-Y-S-T-O-C-K-G-U-R-U-S. Again, that's dollar sign P-E-N-N-Y-S-T-O-C-K-G-U-R-U-S. And in the comment section, just indicate back-to-school giveaway, or that you heard of the event on the It's Just Penny podcast. And he can definitely make sure that uh, another bag can be added or more school supplies can be added to the people in the community of San Antonio. On today's episode, we have a special guest who invests in trades in the stock market. He is one that I've had conversations with through emails and um, text chats. His story interests me in his journey, and I'd like to welcome Jan to the show.
1: Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks so much for having me.
0: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for coming on, man. And I know it's Friday, the market just ended. So how did you do today with the market? I did pretty
1: good. I can't complain. You know, I, I had a couple of hard hitters that really sailed me through, through the Friday.
0: Okay. So how overall, like, how long have you been trading in general in the stock market? So I'm pretty new to the game.
1: Um, in October, I came up on a little bit of money. And I came up on $5,000 and invested it all in Apple. And somehow I came across FinTwit and found OTC. So I sold all my Apple and just started going deep into OTC, OTC. Okay. Uh, which was the best move I've ever made.
0: And when you say October, are you saying October 2020? 2020, yeah. So that's has- about what's that? <laughs> eight months ago. So that hasn't even been a year yet. No, no, I'm, I'm green. So what did you see? Because I've never been on FinTwit, So tell me, what what exactly is Fentwit? So Fentwit, it's
1: that's just what they call the financial section, of Twitter. So, you know, I started coming across different traders and really uh, changed all the people I followed on Twitter to just traders. So I wasn't looking at politics anymore. A little bit of comedy, but I was super focused on just getting some money.
0: All right. And then so you, you started with Apple and then you came across OTC. What intrigued you or what like because, I mean, ideally, I would think you see a lot of stuff on Twitter, right, or or Friend Twitter, and you're like, but what intrigued you when you're, you're investing in Apple to go to dive into OTC? You know, I think I probably just saw somebody's games or something. I actually,
1: from Apple, went to SPACs. That's what it was, the SPACs. And there was one, some EV electric vehicle one that I was following. I dumped all my money in there, and I lost a good amount of money in that. But through that, I just, you know, going through Reddit and different avenues, came across penny stocks. And I was intrigued, you know, the fact that you can get 500,000 penny stocks at 0. .0005 for, what is it, $1,000 or 100 whatever, $500. You get a million. It's like, I like that. You know, it makes you feel like you actually had something as opposed to Apple. I had like 35 shares.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is it safe to say you like OTC penny stocks over big board.
1: Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt. I always said when I when I hit a certain plateau in OTC, then I'll get back into big board. Something a little, as they say, a little safer. But you know,
0: yeah, I always I like big board when every not to be like the bad guy, but like when stuff crashes.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I, I'll go big board. And like I always say, people didn't like my friends didn't like Tesla when it's at fifty dollars, but when yeah. it's at eight hundred. I saw they talk about buying, and it's like, that's backwards to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I mean, when Tesla crashed, I didn't buy any, and I did regret it. But, you know, I've I've made that money elsewhere.
0: Okay. So let's just talk about your, your journey. You started in October. How has it been from October to now?
1: Been It's been unbelievable. I, I didn't think I would have hit so fast and just keep going so fast. I had a really, you know, I, I was slow-pacing, I think I got like one, 200% gains by the end of the year, which I'm telling my friends about. And they're just telling me, you know, you're wasting your money, penny stocks, you're about to lose all your money. And so for 2021, I set myself a goal for June. I recently had a child and found out in November that my wife was pregnant. So then everything changed. You know, it's my first child and I was hyper-focused on just getting money, having a baseline for when she's born. I'm not struggling. I can go to work when I want to. So I set my my goal for June and in January I hit that goal in 2 days. It was mid January but 2 days, you know, I made what I would make in an annual salary. Um <laughs> and then the next week I lost what I would make in an annual <laughs> salary. You know, easy come easy go. Yeah. Um but I didn't, you know, I I lost probably 30 40% of my portfolio which was still exponentially higher than when I started. So just thinking like, oh, I lost Five digits today, and just kind of shrugged it off. Which a year ago, you know, four digits, thousand dollars was everything. I mean, I never thought I would be able to just worry about losing or not worry about losing a thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely know what you uh, that feeling, and, and congrats on the the newborn. I, I know Thank how you. that feeling is, is as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you're making money, then you you lose some. So what's going through your head when? You had those two days where it's like, man, I, I'm, I'm making more than my salary. Because I know at that point, I, I would assume you're now looking at your job or your salary differently.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I started getting cocky. I'm thinking because it was a slow roll, it's, it slowly got to five digits, then bigger, five digits, bigger, bigger. And so I'm just thinking like, oh, I got this. You know, i come January. I'm ready to quit my job. I'm showing my mom. The only person I wanted to actually show, besides my wife, is my mother. Because you know, I'm not one to I don't want to brag, I don't want to show off. And I'm showing my mom and she's pushing me ahead. I'm like, oh, on this case, I'm gonna make a million dollars by June. And then like I said, a few days later, I'm crashing down. And that was a reality check. It really put everything into perspective and made me change how I trade. And I was hearing a lot of outside noise about diamond hands and holding and you know, these weren't these weren't very good companies I made money off of. And I was talking about holding them for a year and then I just lose all my money. So I started taking profit um, and really just focusing on decent companies.
0: Yeah. So what's been your biggest, I would say, since you started, what has been like your biggest aha moment? Frankly, losing all that money.
1: It really, like I said, just put things in perspective and made me realize I don't know what I'm doing necessarily. I've been doing this a few months and. I've never done anything for a few months and thought I knew what I was doing. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking, I know what I'm doing. So it really made me step back, slow down and just realize like, like anything in life, if it's worth doing, you're going to have to work at it. So I really just slowed down and changed the way that I, I saw the whole scene.
0: Okay. And so you're, you change it, you're, you're figuring out, I'm assuming what works for you, right? And, and you're, and you're fighting your trading style what what was like your biggest lesson because i mean you you speak about hey i made this money and then i lost it but in between i don't like to call them failures because i'm like as long as we're not quitting we don't fail right sure what was a big lesson because when people listen listen to your you know your story they're gonna want to take away like lesson learned so pretty much we want to you know i I want you to speak about the lessons you learned so the next Mm -hmm. person who comes behind you don't make those same lessons you know
1: Yeah, there were a couple. Like I said, first and foremost is don't be afraid to take profit. You know, I had a few tickers that ran a thousand percent and I got super greedy thinking it was going to go 10,000 percent, which, you know, a thousand percent is unheard of. You you talk about big boards, that's 50 years it'll take to go a thousand percent. So just being, not being greedy and knowing that if you have something good, it might not stay good forever. I also Learn to block out a lot of the noise. I was chasing, I was in a couple rooms where I'm thinking this person and this person, oh yeah, of course they have my best interests in mind. You know, frankly, most of these people, they don't care about you. And why would they? They don't know you, you know? And don't get me wrong, there's some of you that are sincere and it really shines through. But You really have to just weed through and know if you're going to be listening to people. You need to see their track record and you need not just what they've made, but how they've made it and how they've
0: helped people. Okay. And so now that you're making, I'm assuming, you know, good amount of money, how do you find that balance between work and trading?
1: Well, I work for myself. Okay. And as I said, I just had a child, so I'm on paternity leave. So it's been pretty easy the last couple months am um, not having to think about work which is a blessing you know it's not something most people have the opportunity to do but I'm lucky that I do um when I was working I was finding that I was spending a lot of time in my phone and I learned quickly that I need to set alerts and that day trading just might not be the thing for me if I'm working 40 hour weeks you know if you're if you're actually focused on your job you can't be day trading all day one of the two is going to fall by the wayside and you're just going to lose your job or you're going to piss away a bunch of money. So just trying to find that balance and figuring out what type of trader you want to be that you can be in your
0: situation. Okay. So what type of trader do you think you are?
1: I'm a trader that really still needs to learn a lot. I'm definitely leaning more towards swing trading. So, you know, I'm not trying to sell anything intraday. I tried that. I lose money. I'm more looking for weeks. If not months of holding and, you know, looking for particulars of catalysts right now, custodianships are super hot, So I'm definitely focused on that and setting alerts. So if I'm busy, if something pops, I can at least pull out my phone, see what's going on. And either I sell, I buy more or I just look and enjoy, you know, the market doing its thing.
0: Makes sense. And what kind of, what kind of resources you use, you know, cause it sounds like I'm, of course, you have your brokerage company, but do you do you even use resources? And if so, what kind? You know, I, I don't right now.
1: I mean, few and far between. I'm in a couple of Telegram groups. I use Twitter just to kind of get, not necessarily for DD, but to see, just to see how people are feeling about things. OTC markets, of course, you know, you, you can't live without that. I've been wanting to get scans and the filings, I think it's RE. mm mm-hmm. Right now, I just can't commit to adding one more monthly expense, and it's one of those things I can afford it, and I know on the back and it'll make me a ton of money, but there's a block in my head, you know, from from before when it's like, oh, more more to pay a month. I'm trying to get out of that uh, scarcity <laughs> mentality still.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I know that feeling because there's certain things where anything with a subscription, it's like I wish I could just pay an annual fee one time.
1: Yeah, you know, say let me or a lifetime
0: fee. <laughs> And you know what? Now that you mentioned that, I'm actually because I, I have the uh, the CEO of Filing RE and I'm going uh, to uh, suggest that to him because I don't think you oh, can. Please kind of, do. <laughs> I, I, I'd i
1: happily pay, you know, probably 10 times what a, an annual fee is just to get it
0: done with. Yeah. Just that one time. It's like, just get it over with. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on a lot of those things, too, as well. Like I just like I hate. Cell phone bills and all that. I'm like, can I just yeah. pay one time for the whole year and call it a day? <laughs> so what has been your biggest pain point since you you started? You had your, you know, your successes. I know you spoke about, you know, um, being overly confident at times, especially when you first starting. And I know you spoke about not taking out profit, especially when you're up, you know, a thousand percent. So mm-hmm. has there been any other pain points that have come to mind and throughout your journey?
1: I'm sure there are. I can't really think of any offhand. Like I said, really sift through the noise and acknowledge when you just kind of have to get a feel for how the market is at the time being. You know, November through January was just, I could put money in anything and make money. And I did. And I thought I had some special skill, which I did not. So February really taught me. I mean, February through, I want to say April almost taught me like, oh, you need to see what's happening in the market and you need to adjust. You need to be like a chameleon. You know, if you're a day trader and day trades are working, do it. If they fall by the wayside, then maybe you start swing trading. Maybe you acknowledge that cash on hand is also a position and you just don't trade,
0: you know? Yes. So at this point in your life, as in, in your trading and your, you, know, you're, you work for yourself, did you ever see you stop trading? And, I, and the reason I ask that, because, you know, there's people that might have a certain dollar amount in mind when they're yeah. they're investing in trading, but do you ever see yourself ever stopping at all? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, why is I, it? <laughs> I
1: think about, again, I go back to, to having my first child. and It's just, if I stop, then I limit the potential that she has, or I limit the step up that she can get. When I was like 12, my dad tried to He seemed like he was always hustling for something, and he tried to get into commodities. He tried to get me into commodities, and I had no interest. You know, I'm 12 years old. I want to play basketball, but he had to tell me. It got to the point where it felt like I needed to learn, and I didn't, but I don't want that for my daughter. I want her to have the step up. I want her to never, ideally, the ultimate goal is her work for pleasure. And fulfillment, not for money. And I'm trying to get where some of these other people are. I mean, you know, people in my persuasion, it's harder to uh, turn on the TV and see us just not worrying about anything. And I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to have somebody. I'm trying to have my daughter feel like she can do the same thing that people in the more wealthy neighborhoods can without all, right. all the stress.
0: And I, I can definitely relate to that. And I know you brought you brought up your dad. So. You get, you get this $5,000, i am going to take a step back. You get this $5,000, and the first thing you think mm-hmm. of is like, I'm investing in Apple. So let me ask you this. Growing up, was financial investing, even just financial matters even talked about in your household as a kid?
1: You went far between. Again, my father used to tell me, you know, take 10% of everything you make, put it in the savings. And you can tell a kid a million things. I wasn't ready to listen. I wasn't ready to do it. So he never really made me and you know, what can you make a kid do? So I had I had that little concept, but it was never reinforced and I never saw him do it. And I think seeing it goes a lot further than just hearing it. And so, you know, there I I'm not gonna front like I was super poor. I lived a very charmed life and I worked hard, but I was also I had a lot of people help me. You know, I'm I can't do this alone. And yeah, that's that's Again, just when I'm trying to push forward, just know that everybody needs help. Everybody needs a hand. And I'm trying to help people with a hand that I might not have gotten, the the literacy that I might not have gotten. I'm trying to help other people get that.
0: And why do you think that in certain homes, especially we preach, or just in general, most homes preach savings instead of investing? I think just a lack of knowledge. I think... Again,
1: you turn on the TV and you don't see anything about investing in school. They don't teach you how to invest. They might tell you you need to save money and that's the whole thing. You know, put away a little money because you never know when you need it. But nobody teaches that you need your money to make more money. Like you have to actually go find that information. And I I don't know why. I could get really political
0: (laughs) because all the
1: reasons. Yeah. You know, the historical Suppression of certain kinds of people and every time wealth is accumulated, then there's violence. But I think I think we just aren't introduced to it. So we don't know.
0: And I think by our job personally now, it's like even if we were not introduced to it, we're aware of it now. So like, for instance, you have you have your daughter. Right. So it's like as she becomes older, just slowly introducing things to her. And I hate when when people are like, oh, they're too young. You know, nah. and it's like if they can talk, you never know what a kid can comprehend, especially yeah. when they can see what you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so absolutely. <laughs> we can't change the past, but we can definitely, you know, we can we can change the future by changing our, you know, start starting at home.
1: Yeah, that's the goal. And I mean, piggybacking on what you said, children are brilliant. You know, there's a lot of stuff they do that to us looks dumb. And there's certain things that they might not comprehend, but you know, kids learn languages. Kids learn how to walk, how to talk. Like, you can't just up and learn a language in a year. You're not going to be able to. But these kids, they they soak it in. They're a sponge. So why not, at the very least, introduce it to them? And if they take, they they take. If they don't, they don't. But at least you try.
0: Yeah. Because I have I have three, four boys now, but three of them. Yeah. Congrats. Appreciate it. Three of them are, you know, they're second and third grade, and, and two of them are more interested than the others. And, yeah. and it's like, I'm not going to stop not talking about investing because ideally it's like by the time you get to middle school and high school, it's like if you know how to trade your own, that changes the game yeah, <laughs> completely. So definitely something we should just keep pushing. So transi- I, I agree. <laughs> transitioning somewhat, what would the current youth Say to the old version of you. Oh man, I mean the old version of me had a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> it was <laughs> not that I don't have fun now, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm in my late thirties, so things are a little different now. I would say I would say stick with anything you start. Don't be afraid to search things out because you think you shouldn't. Don't think that you don't belong, and that's something I see on Twitter a lot. I think or on to it in some of the rooms that I'm in, you know, you don't see many people of color that people are following. And frankly, I mean, I, I look at the people that I follow and those that kill it are not the ones that a lot of people are following. And for whatever reason, it's one, again, back to you're not used to seeing that for better or for worse. Um, so I'd say, like I said, just take the risk, stick to it and and have fun with it. Just know that if you have a bad today, there's always a tomorrow.
0: It's funny that you say that because I think some of the people that I follow, and I I follow a a range of people who trade, but the ones Mm -hmm. who I probably give the most, I guess you can say I pay the most attention to, don't have the biggest following. Yeah. But you know, it's like, okay, if that person posts tick, I know they did some kind of research, and let me go ahead and do my own due diligence and piggyback off what they're doing. You know and go further but it's funny you say that because now as you saying that, i'm like that is true because it's probably a handful of people i i pay a lot of attention to and i'm like mm-hmm. they don't have the most the biggest following when you see some of these other ones that have like a ridiculous amount of following it's like they might list like 30 tickers and it's like and people just keep following them and i'm like yeah what? and they keep losing money <laughs> <laughs> like you don't learn you you see them
1: post a sports car or something Oh yeah, I gotta follow them. I mean, there's there's a new dude that I actually saw in the uh, the penny stock guru room. 181 followers. Can I can I shout him out? Go ahead, Kenny Penthouse. Kenny Penthouse. Like his DD is great, and I told him I'm gonna enjoy watching you get rich. I'm gonna enjoy watching you accumulate f- followers because he loves what he does and he's good at it. And I think ultimately, if you have those two things going for you, sky's the limit.
0: Definitely. And actually he, he reached out to me and I can tell that it's not like a, uh, what is it? Like a a phase for him. He's like, dude, dude wants to learn and he's serious about his craft. Yeah. You know, so definitely um, he's going to be an interesting one just to, to watch. Uh, And I'm, and I'm with you though. I, I can't wait to even bring him on and just hear his journey. Like, yeah, I want to hear too, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he's thorough and just, and the crazy part is just from my conversations with him, it sounds like he's just getting started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I was looking at his Twitter and he's only been on Twitter for about four or five months. Yeah. I, I'm just eager to see him, see him shine.
0: <laughs> okay. So I'd like to also ask, what is your why? Like, I I know you speak about, you know, just wanting more for your daughter and, and that could be it too, right? But what what exactly is your why? Like, why are you investing? Why why is this something that you not only enjoy doing, you're, you're passionate about, it, and why is it something like you don't see yourself quitting?
1: You know, before my daughter, my why was, I'm married to an amazing woman that comes from an amazing family. And frankly, towards the beginning of our relationship, I used to feel like I wasn't enough. Financially, you know, I used to struggle and I felt like I need to not only be able to give her everything, but or not only want to give her everything, but be able to. And, you know, her family loves me. I don't want to make it out like I'm some black sheep. But <laughs> but but that was for me personally, it was I needed that motivation. I needed that to show her so that I could prove to myself that I deserve all this and, you know, I used to be broke. I, I would worry about... I had my gas shut off more than a few times in my 20s because I was out having fun, drinking, you know, doing my thing. And I wasn't worried about it. I was single. But it, it was stressful. And stress breeds other terrible things. And I just didn't want that stress anymore. And I wanted to change the way I saw money. I wanted to see money as a friend. And the friend that I saw often, not just one that maybe I'll see once every year if I'm lucky. And then she got pregnant and then it's one more reason, one more why. That's my daughter.
0: Okay. And you think you're going to have any more?
1: God willing. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm not in a rush. She's only, she's not even two months yet. So maybe once I get a little more sleep, once I can get her to deal with herself a little, you know, she's constantly needing our attention, which I love, but i'm sure it's hard to balance too when they both need your attention all the
0: time uh yeah no i i agree imagine having one and then like probably about a year later you have twins Oof, that's what happened to me Oof. <laughs> <laughs> hey man you're doing it <laughs> so staying on topic you you spoke about twitter you spoke about into you spoke about telegram groups now most people when they first getting started they join all these groups, right? They, they're trying to find people who to follow. How are you able to, in a way, decipher not who to follow, but who to give your attention to, to even start your own research or possibly invest into a stock?
1: Um, unfortunately, at the beginning, it was trial and error. And I think once you kind of see who you try and you, you lose, and then when you win, you know, you might look at that person a little more and see who they talk to. Who their community is, and then you, you you move through that. One of the earliest people I followed actually was CC Trades, and I don't know how I came across her pages through somebody with a lot more followers, but I saw that she had hit super hard on a couple things, and you know I I was just kind of checking with her situation, what she's doing, and through that I found, you know, um, and it's it's really just making connections and you know like minded people. Oh,
0: what is it? Birds of a feather. Oh, you flock together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now that makes sense. Yeah, uh, uh, Cece Trace, she's also, she's a beast. Like, um, Absolutely. <laughs> she's been doing it. I, I want to say probably, well, as far as me following her, I want to say in a few years, she's like, she's a beast and she's real good at like reading the financials as well. So like, yeah, you know, like I'll send her some stuff just off the, you know, on the Telegram, like, hey, I saw this. What do you think? And she will she will out in like two minutes like oh they got this amount of notes they're about to dilute hold off you know so yeah, it's that's,
1: like... a, that's a dope resource uh, <laughs> you know? like your team is your team is you and you are your team and i feel like if you build a strong team and if all of you're winning then you're all winning
0: okay so when you say trial and error because what we want to do is help eliminate the errors for the new people right for those who are first so. getting started so do you recommend not for them to follow certain people, but instead, I guess in a way, check their track record, right? maybe possibly paper trade based on what they're saying, I mean, or where, where would they start at, in your opinion, for someone yeah, brand you. I,
1: I think if you're if you're not trying to lose any money, and you're going to lose money, like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's part of the game. But if you're really trying to minimize it then paper trading, for sure, if if you're going to get to a point where you not necessarily depend on people, but you use people as references, as starting points. You need to paper trade. You need to find out if that person, you know, if they're winning 10% of the time, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your money? Why are you wasting your time? Yeah. So I think it's something I never did. And I don't, I don't regret not doing it because I was just ready to dive in, but I I took some months that I didn't need to. And I would be a little more uh, secure right now had I not. So, you know, if you don't if you don't want to lose money or you want to minimize it, absolutely pay trade.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of pay, having people pay trade. Obviously, that's the best time one to make mistakes, right? Because you're not taking mm-hmm. a loss, but you're figuring out how to perfect your craft and your process. And I think absolutely. And I think sometimes people want to just dive right in because of the excitement. But. If you're losing money right away, that excitement quickly gets ruined. And a lot of people are quick to yell pump and dump on stuff. Yes. And it's, it's not always a pump and dump. You, maybe your entry level point just stunk, right? You know, and, <laughs> and, and go from there. So you spoke going through your journey from October to now, right? Mm-hmm. What probably in your opinion was your best play? And why, when it comes to a ticker?
1: I think my best play was Segi, Segi, S-E-G-I.
0: Streaming service, right? more. What's that? Wasn't that a streaming service?
1: Yeah, yeah. They had, you know, like on Roku, you could download the streaming service. And I I have a whole conversation about their streaming service, for better or for worse. But the reason, it, it wasn't my most financially beneficial win, but it was a win at a point in time where I wasn't sure if I wanted to stick with this. And at the time it was a really big win for me and it just, it built my confidence. Um, it made me realize maybe I don't need to just leave this alone. Maybe there's something here and I can stick to it. Frankly, it was black CEO, which was a big selling point for me. And they were a real company. They actually had a streaming service whereas you know, Ninety percent of these things we trade, or ninety percent of OTC rather, they don't have anything to show for. Whereas this was a legit company. And that really, that was really something to
0: me. Yeah, and I think when they first started going, if my memory serves me right, there was um, GNUS. They they were right behind them. Not as far as like the price point. But G-U-N-S had, had their streaming service going and that took off. And so yeah. SEGI was like the next one. And this just happened to be so much lower in price point. People are like, wow, this can do what that can do. And it's way lower, you know?
1: Yeah. G-U-N-S for me, I, I was still too new to even trade it. I later heard about it. Um, but at the time, I, I just heard stories of it.
0: Okay. So what's the ticker that you wish you can replay and why? Huh. No, I... There's so
1: many. Uh, <laughs> I think either V-T-E-R or I-N-N-D, both of them were very lucrative for me. And both of them, I lost probably 50% of my games on. I, I played them right to begin with, but it was one of those I held too long. So it was a lesson learned. Um, if I could play it again, I would sell all of, I'd sell it all when I had the first chance to take profit. But yeah, lesson learned.
0: Was it your, so when you, when you said you would have sold it off, was it in the back of your mind, you were thinking like, I should sell now and you chose to hold or was it one where you're like, I'm not selling until it hits this point and it never did. Yeah, it was, I had a PT that was way too high.
1: Um, luckily I was taking profit along the way, uh, you know, I'm listening to these people talking about, Oh, it's going to hit 50 cents. It's going to hit a dollar. And if you hear it's going to hit 50 cents or it's going to hit a dollar, your antenna should go up. Not not to say it doesn't happen. Not to say I'm not in tickers that I think that will happen. But like nine times out of 10, people say that, people say anything will hit a dollar. It's not hitting dollars.
0: Yeah. Like
1: What are we playing? We're not playing big boards. It's OTC.
0: Although with the new SEC regulations, we may see some more have bigger movement now that I think more money is going to start flying into stocks that are current, that have products, where we might see things that because it's going to be hard for, I think, those bigger names to start pumping and dumping stocks.
1: Yeah. Right? No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, even INND, frankly, they have a product. Um, I was I was really into it. It's a lower price. Uh, what is it? Hearing aid. So, I, I think if they can get it right, they can really kill it. Oh, absolutely. I just wish I would have taken profit at the time <laughs> and bought back
0: a little lower. Because I think they... They're now accepted on some people's insurances too. I I, I thought I saw. Yeah, I saw them. So yeah, that's one. I'm not in it right now. I did play that one. I actually played both of the ones you mentioned as well. I think I have INND more on my watch list than VPER. Sure. Just because INND has a product, you're able to buy it. They're accepted on insurance. But for whatever reason, it seems like there's something missing for them to continue being able to move up you know, mm-hmm. in price, but honey time really, a tell, right? So yeah, absolutely. So I've asked a good amount of questions and I wanna, I wanna flip it to you. What questions do you have for me? So I guess the first one
1: is one I wish I could have asked you when I first got started, if you have a small account, if you have an account that's a few thousand dollars, how do you recommend managing that? Do you suggest like going hard in one or two tickers? you spreading it out evenly uh what, what would you do
0: i'm not a big fan like if i have let's let's just for numbers say five thousand, right let's sure you know that if i would have had that five thousand, you first started i'm not a fan of spreading it out a lot and i say that because when i first started i did that yeah and it was like there might be some i put a few hundred bucks and those they'll, and they'll take off and then it's like why don't i just put all this in there so as i got like more and more experience, it was like my account was still small because even though you were seeing gains on one or two, the other three or four you're not. So realistically, if I have five thousand, I'm either gonna put all five in one, based on my my research in DD, or I might break it up to two. Okay. And I say that because I'm gonna trust that my due to my research or due to what I'm figuring out that I can either double it or even fifty percent. Right. So many times there may be there's people who uh, want to hit a home run right away. Sure. But if I have five thousand, I get 50 percent a week. That's still twenty five hundred. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, that's still a win. Right. Because if you put five thousand in, you know, not to speak down on mutual funds, because I have some mutual funds. But if I put five thousand in, you know, uh, a mutual fund, hmm. I might it might be fifty four hundred by the end of the year. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> so for me, I'm I'm real big on quality over quantity. Yeah. Even now as my portfolio is fairly large or, you know, in a good a, a good number, I still will rather have a good amount of quality over quantity, you yeah, know. I that. And I and I go from there. But yeah, if I have 5,000, I'm not putting in no more than two. And okay. And then I'll just keep adding whenever I had extra money into those two. Now, that's again, I'm I'm basing that on quality research and, and everything else. So
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, doing one of those little challenges and taking a small percentage of my portfolio and just
0: going hard. Hey, and and really what I've been doing for in some some instances, I've been in a way I guess you can say, as a trade, I'll hold my base, right? So let me give you an example, NSAV, right? I told people about, and mentioned on the the, the Telegram and even people I knew, NSAV in the trips. Mm -hmm. It it ran to like six cent the first time and then it came back down to double zero six zero. You know, I sold sold some on the way up, I held some, and I think today it almost hit 10 cent, right? So. (laughs) 975. But in between that, while I'm holding that base, I'm swinging shares, so and I was gonna do an episode on this, but basically you can make money while holding what you have, and a yeah. lot and a lot of times people are so scared to sell, and it's like no. Say for instance, I have ten million shares of NSAV. If I buy another three hundred thousand at and I bought it at double zero four or four cent, I can still hold my three million shares, but now I can sell mm. that three hundred thousand I bought at four cent. At nine cent, and I'm still making money while holding on to my base. So that's one one method I've done, and I even you know for some who have just gotten started, like this one late older lady, she started off with five hundred bucks, and I want to say in less than six months she topped six figures. Wow! You know, so it's like, and and she didn't know anything about stocks, but she slowly. You know, she's figuring it out, and and she has now. I think she's holding money, Moni M O N I, right? Mm-hmm. But she was like, "Well, I'm buying. I have my shares that I'm holding because she thinks it's going to go way higher, which I do too." But she's also she bought those sevens, and then when it went back to ten, she sold that. So she's yeah. making money in between of what she's holding. Absolutely. You know. So yeah, I,
1: I've tried that with a couple tickers. Sometimes it hits. Sometimes you know it never dips again. But as you said, that's why you have that base. So you're still, you're still in it.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Another one I wrote down, how do you go about choosing, you know, it's going to change soon in September, I understand, but as it is now with these tens of thousands of tickers, how do you choose one, two, five, 10 to really dive into and do some DD?
0: So with me, um, I have to know share structure and catalyst. Sure. Um, those are two musts. And even if someone recommends me a stock, that's the first two questions I'm asked. What's the catalyst? And I think I've even yeah. been in penny stock gurus chat and they post a tick on my like, catalyst behind it. Like, <laughs> you know, so for me, if the share structure isn't one that's appealing to me, I don't even proceed. So I may look at, I want to say on average, maybe a hundred, 200 stock tickers a, a day. Wow. But I would say out of that, maybe 70% don't even make it past the first screen because the share structure is horrible. Sure. Right. And then for those 70, they might not even, for the remaining 30%, <laughs> another half of that 30% don't make it past the second screen Cause there's no catalyst, right? There's, you know, are the cat- I'm not gonna say there's no catalyst. The catalyst isn't clear enough, mm-hmm. and I'm at that point where I feel like I don't need to take unnecessary chances. You know, buying stocks and saying, "Oh, I hope this." Like if I if I find myself hoping for a outcome, nine times out of ten, you shouldn't invest in it. Oh, like there, <laughs> there should be some level of research, some level of DD that you've done to know why you're in a stop, and that's why you're you know you're staying in it. Now, the reason why you might stay in it may change, and that's why I'm constantly, every day I review my portfolio, and I'll go through, and that is, it doesn't even take long. You can, you know, 20 minutes, review your portfolio yeah. while you're investing in each stock, just to see if the reason changed you know, a lot of times people will hold on to a stock because they don't want to take a loss because they can't handle the loss. But in reality, maybe you you need to take that loss because the reason why you invested in it has changed. And now the new reason why you're holding it is just because you don't want to take a loss, which those are two different reasons. So so for me, share structure, catalyst um, are the first two reasons. And then from there, I'm looking at, am I able to get in near the bottom? Right? So if it's one that has moved significantly, like for instance, I think it was KATX. Someone had mentioned it to me, but it already had moved up. So by the time I'd done my research, it wasn't going to be a long haul for me. It was one I identified as a swing trade. So it was when I put like, I think 10 grand in, mm-hmm. but, and it was like 005 and it ran almost two cents. But it was one that had I caught it earlier, I could have bought it in the trips and it would have been was what I identified as a long haul. Yeah. So from there, it's understanding the catalyst. It already had moved. So I was like, I was looking for a dip because I like what they were doing, and then proceeding that way. But re- really, that's how I, I, I do my list. Even when I'm I'm going through, like I like to use I like to use some of the, the chat groups, definitely uh, Twitter, not to find investments. Um, as far as like what are people saying I should invest in, but those are all additional resources, right? I look at Twitter sure. as those are all the people in the world who are looking out for me as far as providing me additional tickers. Absolutely. And then I go from there and, and I have my process, which I just put out uh, Wednesday. I did an episode on like my thought process and my process when I broke down on how I look, you know, my, my level of research and what I look for on a regular on a day in and day out basis. Yeah. No, I listened to it yesterday. So
1: um, Just to, I noticed you said, you know, had you got it in trips, it would have been a long haul Is that? Does the price you get at determine how long you're going to hold? Like, if you get something in trips, are you then, therefore, thinking, okay, I'm willing to go over a year holding this because even if it goes to dubs, I'm still making money?
0: So, I have this thing where I love to create free shares. Yeah. So, if I get in something in the trips, let's say I'm able to buy, let's say, if I get in something at 0005, well, let's be more realistic because pretty much the new trips is 001. Right. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's give a real a more realistic scenario. So the double zero one. So if, let's say I put ten grand at double zero one. If that ten grand becomes thirty, I may take out twelve of it, twelve thirteen of it. I got my money back. I got a little profit, and then I'm gonna let the rest ride for a little bit. And that goes back to reviewing why I'm in the stock, right? So even when it dips, I'm not too worried about it. I don't have that mindset of like. Oh man, I should have got up and I lost these gains. If the reason why I'm still in it doesn't change. Because there's there's gonna be highs and lows, especially you have the highs and lows, you have people manipulating stock, and you have other people who are trying to trigger stop losses. Mm -hmm. You know, so those are always three different reasons. So if I'm getting something near the bottom, especially if I'm able to create free shares, I have no no problem saying, hey, this is a long code, I'm gonna see what it do uh six months from now right especially if the company's transparent and things are going on and on like i'll give you an example mgon is when i got in the trips and i've been in probably over two years wow it's ran to like each year i think probably one or two times each year it goes to 14 15 cents um it's a debt-free company Um, but they just haven't been able to i would like to say acquire or do a merger that's going to take it to the next level but it's one where I've created free shares. So for me to get out and just be like, I want to close the position. And then two months later, it runs. I'll be kicking myself in the butt. Sure. You know, AVVH was another one when I first got in it. It was for a completely different reason. It went from trip six to I think 0060. I created some free shares. It went back to trip six and I looked at the share structure and it was like, it was still appealing. So I I held it a year later, it goes to like, I think 13, 14 cent, it becomes a a merger with SS Monopoly. Now Mm -hmm. they're canceling, canceling um, shares, they're retiring shares, and then they can complete the merger. And I think it's going to go way higher than previously. So when I'm holding things, especially from the trips, nine times out of 10, I've created free shares. Yeah. And now I'm just watching the story because when you create those free shares, one, I call it, it's good for my mental health. I'm not stressed out on whether or not I lost my my money that I put in. And then two, I can always get back in, right? right? And then the third thing is I found it since I've been trading for a while now, it's easier for me to have those conversations. I made 300 grand, but could have made a million than me saying I lost. Everything I put into it, yeah, you know, so that's how I determine what I (laughs) hold.
1: I've been trying to. I made a new brokerage account just for my, as I call them, freebies. So I'm trying to do the same thing, just let them ride forever.
0: Yeah, and you and you never know, like when I was telling people about TSNP, I mentioned TSNP. I think it was when the Playstations were first coming out. Back then, it was a trip stop, and I was telling people. I said, "Look, you put the six hundred in that. I didn't know it was going to go over a dollar." I'm like yeah but this company is doing something it looks like they have a merger even if it goes up 10 times you'll have enough to buy it on the black market for way more right yeah now i like to use that example because that's 650 bucks at 0006 when it rents over a dollar and 98 would have been yeah, over $1, $1, a million dollars <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> so it's like understanding when you're gonna hold and, and why and plus, even I rarely close positions now. I may leave a few hundred thousand and something just in case it's that one or two that continues on. Like BNGO was one at 11 cent and it ran to $11. Did I know it was going to go to $11? No. Did I hold everything I put in around the low? No. But by leaving some in there, when I'm like looking at my account, I'm like, man, it's up. What's moving? I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's that stock. You know, so I never really close out of position because you can say something's on your watch list and a lot of times you may intend to go back. But if your account isn't fluctuating, you may forget about your watch list at times, For sure. you know, For if sure. that makes sense. So, but good question. Right. I, have, I have one more question. Okay. This is what everybody wants to
1: know. What are the next three tickers that I need to play with? You?
0: <laughs> but... <laughs> But I do, so the next three, not just tickers that I've been, I like, I'm real big on all the SS Monopoly plays. And I just think their credibility right now, how they've been doing things is, it's remarkable. The one thing about custodian plays, a lot of people get in custodial plays thinking they're going to be one day runners, mm-hmm. right? And they don't understand there's different stages. So I may get into custodial and play, and that's where the Filing RE app comes in handy. I may get in custodian custodian play at the first stage which they submit the paperwork, right? And it goes up 300% and somebody buys it at 300% and and now they're mad because it comes back down because the next stage is waiting for the course to decide. So even on the telegram, I always mention, understand each level you're at at the custodians, especially the custodial ship plays, because you don't have to chase. Most of them are going to have some fluctuation and, and retreat some until we know if it's an acquisition or merger. For me personally, I I definitely like um, the SS Monopoly plays. I, I still like A-V-B-H. FBCD, um, is one. Yeah, I'm in mean that. A-A-P-T, like that one. One that intrigues me is G-M-Z-P. It's one mm-hmm. where I think they ran into a hiccup because they found out, and they put it on Twitter that they had to do a name change or they were working on a name change because somebody else had the name. But the way it trades... And the share structure it don't match and hmm. what i mean is the share structure is massive but the way it trades it's hard to get shares yeah so i'm wondering if by when they did a custodian there was maybe the previous ownership or previous ceo had a lot of those shares that are no longer tradable in the first place oh, so okay. if if that true if that proves to be true i think that can be one where it can be a runner once we find out who they're, if they're going to do a merger or acquisition with that one. And that that can be one that people will have slept on because of the share structure.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen a few people talking about it. I took a small position. I might have to look a little more and take a larger one.
0: CS, I think it's CRSM. I th- it's actually going to be a, a ticker of the day for next week for me, for next Wednesday. CRSM is one that I like as well. And... It's one, I think they're in the Lyft, Uber line of business work as far as transportation. But I know it's ran rapidly a lot before and came back down. But it looks like based on their, their, their last few updates with the CEO, they have some acquisitions possibly in line. Um, they've been hitting at them. With that share structure, I want to say it's, it's less than 500 million shares available for trading. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if they're able to do anything as far as acquire any mergers, that might be one where it's at around four cent. It goes up real big. It actually was higher not too long ago. And then they put out an update saying there won't be any significant updates for a few weeks and people mashed out. So (laughs) I'm like, I grabbed some ones. And at that time, I didn't have a position. It was when I had been watching. But. I mean, as you know, in the OTC world, people act like a few weeks is a few years. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Bro. I love it. I used to hate it, but I love it. Yeah, so I'm like, those are, embrace. I embrace the dips. And I, like, let me go ahead and grab this. And, you know, buying, buying in at one and a half and two cents, you're able to get way more shares with the same exact money that you were buying at four cents. Sure. So SS Monopoly plays. I'm still um, CR... SM is one. And then some low sub ones, because I gave you some penny ones. I like RMRK. It's it's one in the 002s. They have their current. They have a product. Any acquisitions or any significant revenues can be a nice runner. And then GRSO looks to be going working to go current. They have some dilution going on. I think they're they're almost done with their notes. And if that's the case and they go current, another one. And then AMLH. Don't sleep on that one. They just reinstated oh, today. Yeah, I saw that.
1: Yeah. So, 24
0: hour. And I know they've been hitting that. They have been for a while this year, have been linked to a, quite a few mergers.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one.
0: So. And one that I've had over a year time just because of the share structure, ARGQ. Look at the share structure on that one. And those those are ones where even if you may buy for one reason or another, it doesn't work out and then you just hold it. And then a year or two later, you forget you had it and it runs up like 20,000 percent because of the share yeah. structure and they complete something. So that's one right there where I think they put out an announcement that they uh, they actually had two companies or three. Two uh, proposals in mind for um, acquisitions. So it's one I've been holding for a while. But I know you asked for three, but I gave you more than three. Uh, <laughs> I'm <am> not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as Should always, I you continue. know, <laughs> I'm not a financial advisor, but those are the ones I'm definitely going to oh, look of course. at. So, of course. And then I'm just going to keep looking at some of these custodial shit plays. I'm going to look at probably some... One thing with the custodial ship plays we, we we have to keep in mind is that they're going to be, they're, they're all not going to meet that SEC deadline, right? Which means they're not going to be tradable. So if you see a custodial ship play that runs up, it may be a good idea not to buy any. And then as they get closer to that deadline, when it's, if people don't, people are going to mash out, you buy in if you think eventually they're going to get back current. Yeah, you know, so I'm gonna definitely look at some some custodial shit plays and and go from there. But I know for next week I'm gonna ride that uh, continue riding that NSAV train as they go get closer to that live date and M O N I.
1: Yeah, they are both treating me very
0: well. <laughs> so, any other questions come to mind? No, I think I think you answered all my my queries. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let me say for one, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for reaching out to even coming on the show. I think a lot of times when I say that in the episodes or even mention it on Twitter, a lot of people, will, they don't take it seriously. And I'm like, man, this podcast is just, it's bigger than me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's for all of us. It's, it's for all of us to encourage each other to be able to relate, you know, and, and pay it forward. And you're paying it forward by telling your story. So whoever's next, as far as investing and want to get started, they may hear your story and know, okay, I should paper trade before I, you know, if I'm going to try to follow people on Twitter, because I'm not doing research, you know, there's going to be times where I take losses. I don't want to quit because I got to remember my why and just, you know, being motivated and, and keep going. So I, I definitely, I'm thankful for you for even reaching out to you know, my open invite and hopefully many others take me up on it and come on to the show. So I definitely appreciate that. Oh man. Right on. You know, I,
1: I knew I thought it was a long shot, but my mindset was I'm, I'm a nobody in this world. I mean, especially in the Fentuit world. And it's, you know, it might be helpful to somebody to realize you don't have to be somebody with a big following. You can just be everyday Joe and still get this money. Oh, absolutely.
0: And, uh, I do want you to come back on, especially when you say I'm no longer working and I'm doing this and I moved on to the the next path, right? You're just creating something for others, you know. I whether can't it's, wait, <laughs> whether It's a nonprofit or you know whatever you got envisioned for yourself and creating that generational wealth for your your wife and your kid as well. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I can't wait. All right, I have many nonprofits in mind. <laughs> awesome. So. This concludes today's episode. As always, if you can, please rate, write a review if the platform you're listening to allows you to do so. If you have any questions, topic requests, or even want to be a guest, please just email me at pennystockwhisper at gmail.com. Other than that, have a good day and see you later.